0: up guys, Pastor Josh here, another episode of sabbatical teaching. So this is an episode that is a little bit different. Hopefully it's not too long. I can almost guesstimate that it will be a little bit longer. I'm actually sitting in my car right now at my job in the parking lot. I just got back from lunch a little early actually, so I could make this episode for you because it's something that um, I, I'm praying and, and 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 speaking to you guys that it's just something that is fruitful, that it's edifying. And um really speaks to your heart in regards to maybe some struggles that you've been, you know, possibly going through in regards to some teachings that you've been hearing. Um, you know, God has really impressed on my heart lately to just stay in my lane when it comes to not being so concerned about what other people are doing, what other ministries are doing and things like that is um that's something that that, you know, I could easily fall into. Um and you know, one of the things I know the the, the identifier for us as a Christian is is love and not only loving our neighbors, but loving our brothers and sisters as well. And, you know, I, I just got done giving a, a sermon on the parable of the Good Samaritan at a coffee shop this last Friday. And one of the points that I wanted to make when we speak about loving is, is it doesn't mean that you're conforming to anyone by any, you know, shape or form. And this goes to people that you're loving that are of the world and people that you're loving that are brothers and sisters in Christ that maybe you may disagree with when it comes to certain points of doctrine. But this is something, though, that I think deserves attention to be spoken about because it is something that is prevalent. It's something that obviously, you know, God impressed on my heart to understand and learn and, and my growth as a Christian, especially through reading and studying his word. And, you know, I, I hear this objection to this about, OK, here we go. you are getting too much about the word, word, word. You guys got to remember, in the Gospel of John, we read about the significance of the Word. The Word is God. Um, The Word is Christ. And to understand who Christ is, we have been given His Word, Him, as a sense of, um, I guess, a litmus test or a gauge to the things that we are experiencing, the things that we are seeing, the things that we are hearing as well. So you have to use his word. You have to have the word be the sword of the spirit because if you don't, you can easily be led astray. Yesterday I'm sitting at home and this this message and this this word for for myself and even for you is not impressed on me or put on me in any way yet, but I'm sitting at home and I I go back to the beginning of the of the word, beginning of the Bible and I start reading through Genesis and I'm going through chapters one and two and, you know, and speaking about the creation of the world and um, all those things. And I get to three, Genesis chapter three, and I'm reading it. And it's something that just really stuck out to me. And then I just felt, you know, really in, in praying to the Lord, like, okay, what is this word that I need to hear? What is it from this that, that I need to take and holding fast to your word? Um, in regards to properly handling this, to be able to speak a message to people to hear. And I hope that people listen to this and they pray on it, they weigh it as well as I always ask people to do, um, because, you know, I'm not perfect. I don't claim to be the, the primary source of biblical authority. But what I do try to do is, is as I preached and spoke to people and, and holding passages in proper context, and not only in context in regards to the paragraph or the sentence or the 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 chapter, or even the book in which the passages are being used, but proper context to the rest of the Bible as well. And Scripture does defend Scripture. And this is a great way to know and see what is actually being spoken about and said in the Bible. Um, we can always pull stuff and say, you know, I, I think it means this. I feel like the Lord's telling me it means this. There is an objective meaning to the passages in the scriptures that we read, and we're called to 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 understand and to learn that to seek the holy Spirit out and in, in telling us as well like how does this apply to me what is what is what are you trying to tell me through this word um, for my growth and edification, which then I can go out and and minister to other people but in Genesis three um, in reading this, something that just really stuck out to me, and this is something that we we tend to see a lot with sin anyways, especially in the days that we're in today with people kind of just seeking and finding, you know, abundance of, of knowledge, abundance of spiritual experiences and things like that. And you see it work its way into the church. And I'm going to start off here with just reading Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast in the field that the Lord God had made. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. Now, This is a layout, guys, of us when it comes to sin. So this is the fall, okay? We we know this. This is where we disobeyed God. We welcomed in sin into the world. We were not forced to do anything by the devil. We were deceived by the devil. So Eve and Adam can't say the devil made me do it, which a lot of people will try to say these days, even as Christians, that's not what's being spoken about. We were, be, we were deceived, but we made a choice, right? We willfully welcomed sin in. So that relationship that we had with God was severed and broken, okay? But when you look at the context of this and you look at the layout, we were in paradise for the most part. We were in right relationship with God. We had everything that we needed provided for us, okay? The garden in a sense was perfect, but it wasn't safe as we see. And my point in saying this is, is, is that I hear a lot of people in the church today when it comes to these, these spiritual movements, okay? Things that are really just being worked into the church about seeking more things of God and seeking deeper things of God and almost attributing a sense of what they refer to as spiritual maturity to those um, that maybe are not going after that, okay? That there's just more out there that, that we need to come to, to experience when it comes to God. We need to experience his presence and things like that. Now, I wanna start off by saying this, okay? Because if you're listening, I know already you're developing a mindset. Maybe it's rubbing you the wrong way. I love the Lord. I am all about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit In people and and things taking place and happening around us that are supernatural when it comes to attributing those works to God. But the concern that I have is so many Christians out there fail to remember or realize what the scriptures say and that everything that we see that we attribute to a sign and wonder is not of God. And how do we attribute that? How do we test to see what it is? Well, you can see uh, 1 John 1, 4, or 1 John chapter 4, that whole chapter, I'm going to turn there my Bible, that whole chapter is attributed to testing the Spirit. And I want to make sure that we understand this, so let me get turned there. My bookmark fell out, but 1 John 4 is not hard to find. So... First John 4, test the spirits, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, many of you are probably going, well, wait a minute, I know that when I pray and ask for something that that spirit says that it's from God, Right? or people that are saying that these things that are taking place in their lives, they say that they believe Jesus Christ is of the flesh. And no spirit that doesn't believe that is of God. We have to look at what the word confess means, okay? This is not just a verbal confession. And this is important to realize because any of you that have kids, if you have a sibling that punches the other sibling and you tell them if they don't say sorry, they're in trouble, a lot of kids will say sorry and not mean it, right? You can pay anyone to sit there and say Jesus Christ is of the, was, was born or God was born of the flesh and Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again on the third day. You could pay anyone to say that. But what does a confession mean here in the full context? Well, confession means what's laid out by the identity and the characteristics of those who live in Christ and live in the spirit. And where do you find that at? You find that in Romans chapter eight life in the spirit. And I ask you guys to read Romans chapter eight. So when you combine what's being said in first John four, with the full measure of what confession is saying, and you look at the person that's living the life in the spirit as well, then you start to see and understand, okay, as the person that's saying and doing these things, that person, do they truly have the spirit of God in them. And is the spirit that is, quote, manifesting from them is that of God. And what I hear and see so often are things, first and foremost, going back to the Bible, because the Bible is crucial. Guys, you wouldn't know what Christianity meant. You wouldn't know Jesus Christ, who he was, any of those things, unless you had the Bible. So you have to understand the significance of knowing the Bible. And I don't just mean knowing it and memorizing it. I mean knowing it and knowing what it is saying. Okay. Knowing the meaning and the messages behind what's being spoken to us by God through his word and even being built up and even having things revealed to us and spoken to us through his word and even encouraged and spoken to through the Holy Spirit as well. But so often I hear people and see people speak about things that just are not in the word, nor do they line up with the Bible. That is even an an, an essence of fruit in regards to the person. And I'm not saying that these people are not Christians. That, I want to point that out, okay? And I might sound a little emotional on this because I know people that are being deceived by this. When you read in 2 Thessalonians, or even read about how when the lawless one comes in the end of days, that that he will come with these signs and wonders that are mimicking that of the Holy Spirit, that of God. And when you look at even Jesus, I believe it's in the book of Matthew, when he's speaking to the Jews, they're demanding signs because they're emphasizing signs and wonders. He refers to them, right, as this This nation that's like perverted and lawless, like they're corrupt, like you demand these signs and wonders. They're these spiritual adulterers because all they want is the signs. When you read the Bible and you understand what signs and wonders are, they are showing significance and the, 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 what's the word, the advocating and the moving forward of the gospel. That is their purpose, Okay. So when we talk about these individual experiences, ones that many people only have in their own in their own way. And I and this is the other thing. I'm not saying that because you've experienced it that it's not true, but what I am saying is is you have to make sure that just because you experience something doesn't mean it's always of God. That's important and a lot of people get turned off by that comment. They might hear me and go, "Oh, he's just too shut off." He no, I've had experiences where I have been literally just rocked by the Holy Spirit with a word of, of, of revelation or, or something has just been impressed on me that has literally just stopped me in my tracks and I, I'm sitting there, Lord, is this of you? And then what I get back, I have to go to the scriptures as well and even maybe go to other people to have it weighed to see if it's of God. But when you start adding in all these other things, and I go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, there was a relationship in paradise established. There was nothing more that needed to be, but there is an enemy that came that made it sound like that there was more to this that we needed to experience and know. Okay. And when Eve was told that she was lured in, that is our flesh, people. That is what we desire. That, that's how we are. That's how we're wired. We seek experience. And I've heard people even from this, this camp that really speaks about just the deeper things and more things and downloading things from heaven, all these things that just aren't in the scripture and all these odd supernatural manifestations that they automatically attribute to God because they're praying to God without really considering that there's also a real enemy in the spiritual realm that's out to really deceive you they 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 forget and and think or fail to consider the fact though as i said that not all these things are of god and they think anyone that speaks against that is just not getting it or they lack like i said a spiritual maturity and this is dangerous it really is because eve saw the fruit and the fruit spoke to these desires that she had, but God gave a commandment not to eat. Why did he do that? People could say if Eve chose not to eat, she was just being really religious. She needed to go after that fruit because there was more there. She needed to eat it. It looked good. It sounded good. Smelled good. It was all this. The devil even said this. She should just go for it. But you guys got to remember, Eve didn't know who the devil was. They just knew that it was a serpent that was placed in the garden with them. For all they know, the serpent could have just been anything. It's in the garden, right? It's in something that God made. Has to be good, doesn't it? And we don't think about that. That's why the Bible is emphatic on telling us that we have to test the spirits. That we have to weigh the things that we hear. And we have to be mindful of the things that we speak as well. And if you're not, you are setting yourself up for deception. And I want to just speak this to you because if you find yourself in a ministry that just really tends to be about signs and wonders and they attribute their authenticity as a connection with God because of the things that are taking place in the church, I'm not here saying that some of those things taking place in that church are not of God. When you read about the church in Corinth, you understand and know that the, that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were present. They were just being misused and abused. But what I'm saying is, is I've heard people say that, you know, people that tend to be too much about the word and, and that are cut off and shut off from signs and wonders and all that and the supernatural, that they are um, only taking things that have been fed to them and perceived through them, and they're only looking at it with their own glasses. And I say amen to that. We all do it everyone does it. This is why we have the Holy Spirit, why we have God's word and why his word can't be added to or taken away from. Because when we realize that we have those glasses on, we go to his word to have those glasses removed. We ask for the Holy Spirit to give us discernment and understanding the objective meaning in this word, not for us to read into it what we want, but for the Holy Spirit to quicken our hearts and minds to properly receive it. Okay. And that's vital. That's important because if all you're doing is taking in and gauging validity off of experience you're just as guilty as the people that you're condemning for doing it when you're saying they're on the other side of things. And when you're saying that if signs and wonders were meant to bring people to Christ and all of that they were, but sadly people they they gauge a person and a place based on the signs and wonders that are going on in a certain ministry or with a certain person. Why do you think you have individual ministries out there, people going around naming ministries after themselves? They don't sit under any proper church authority. They don't have a lot of the things weighed or tested before they speak them to church bodies that they've never been to, speaking to droves of people, giving prophetic messages. This isn't biblical. And I'm not being crusty in saying that, but there is biblical practice in performing and doing Things that are of the Holy Spirit. We do these things in an orderly fashion to help protect from being deceived. That's why. That's why I struggle with some of this stuff. That's why I struggle with people that claim to be prophets, capital P, rather than having a prophetic gift, or people that claim to be apostles, capital A rather than people that I would say are gifted maybe in just going and being sent to go plan a church, apostolon, which is used in the New Testament. I don't believe that apostles and prophets in the capital in regards to the offices in the church are for today. And I I will go into that in another episode as I um, I did an episode on it and the episode won't play. So I have to actually, I actually have to redo it. So I think it's awesome that Holy Spirit has led me to speak and to teach on this because... Um, It allows me to then go back and and even reintroduce that as well as I've been in prayer about how to present that. But one of the things as well in closing that I hear people say is is, is that when it comes to signs and wonders and how they lead people to God, people think that there needs to be more than what's already shown to us. And I'm not saying that God doesn't manifest himself in more ways than than what we just simply see. But you can't negate what the Bible says. And when you go into the Bible, and I I take you guys to Romans chapter 1, verse 20, I'm giving you scripture here, okay? This is the Bible. This isn't just Pastor Josh. And I, once again, ask that you weigh the things that you hear. Okay, so when we speak about all these things going on in our life and seeing God and God encountering us and all of that, and I think people get caught up in this, on people speaking things into existence. I hear Christians saying that. Guys, that's New Age teaching about speaking things into existence. Only God has the ability to speak things into existence. We don't. The Bible is laced with passages about God speaking things the way that they need to be, or speaking things in regards to the way that they already have been ordained to be. Okay, God knows all. You're not changing His mind. We're not going to speak something in or whatever, and God just sits there and watches, or because you have that authority to do it. We're not Jesus Christ as well. So the miracles, signs, and wonders that that Jesus did, they had a particular purpose and reason in doing that in the time frame when you read the Bible. Okay, it doesn't mean that we today can't perform or do, but all these things, these gifts that we have been given have been to advocate and promote the gospel and the kingdom of Christ, not to show ourselves off. Okay, and I think that people can easily get lost in that. And you see this take place in the Bible with Jesus and the disciples. They're fighting over who can do more and who can do this and that. Jesus has to remind them, you're simply just a vessel. It's me that does this. People say, what about when it says you'll, those, you'll do greater works than even I? He's talking about works, not wonders. Do you think you can really do greater signs and wonders than Jesus Christ, God himself? We have to look at what the word is saying to us. Okay, this is important. And what he means by greater works is, is that his earthly ministry was limited in time, Ours, our lives are devoted to him. So we are going to, in the in the in the idea of abundance and amount, we are going to do greater works. Our life is to be a testimony of Christ in us to those around us. We are called and created to do good things. God's workmen, right? God's workmanship, created to do good things, as it says in Ephesians. So, Romans 120, we speak about signs and wonders, we think about more and all these things we want to see, the manifestation of God. You cannot Detract away from what the Bible says already is taking place. And I think that the greatest wonder, the greatest sign that you will ever see is the transformation of a sinful heart. Of a person who has given their life to Christ, who knows him to be Lord and Savior, and you see them changing. They start to bear fruit of that of a Christian, living a life to give God glory. Not simply so they can go to heaven, but to live a life to give him glory so others can see Christ in them. So they then can be saved to go to heaven. Romans 1.20, okay? It says, let me find it here, because this is a small Bible. So, okay, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. As a Christian, a person that has had the Lord revealed to them, their hearts softened, made from stone to flesh. The word is, you are word filled and spirit led. You simply know now by looking at a tree that God created that tree. You know, by looking at other people that God created those people. Creation itself is the testimony of the, the existence of God. No one can make excuse about that. People actually tried to, as it even says in Romans, suppress the truth with this. There are things that science cannot explain, okay? But even people that don't believe, guys, we look around, God is all around us, right? His creation is made by his hands. What else do you need to understand and know about a manifestation? But here's the deal. You have an enemy that knows that you desire more, just like Eve did in the garden. And the devil can bring about counterfeit signs and wonders to tempt you and to deceive you, even the elect, right? Even the Christian, because I've heard people say, I'm a Christian. I can't be deceived. I have, no, especially you, you got a target on your back. The devil's more powerful than a lot of us realize, more cunning than many of us realize. And we have to stop and we have to always ask the Lord, is this of you? And ask the Lord to show you your heart, about what it is you're really desiring. What's your motivation behind this? Is it him or is it an experience? Is it him or is it a sign? Or you don't need any more signs. You you know you have Jesus Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, because of your life being transformed and changed. Right? Romans 8, I ask that you read it. Okay. So any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is is Lord, that God himself came to the world in the flesh, Jesus Christ died for us and rose again on the third day. Any spirit that truly confesses that is of God. That means not just the verbal confession, but also the life that's being lived alongside with it. Amen. So hopefully this makes sense to you. Hopefully it wasn't a big ramble. I actually have to get back into work. Um, I just want people to to stop and to think about this. And this is, once again, I, I send this, and I don't say this to sound cliche, I send it in love, because I know many people struggle and wrestle with this. I'm going to be honest with you, as a pastor, I have people contact me, they reach out to me, I heard a pastor say this, it just doesn't feel right, but he's saying it, he's a pastor. I get it, you want to trust the people that you're listening to. I, I, amen, good, you're sitting under your pastor, you're trusting what they're saying, I don't believe pastors are out there for the most part trying to willingly deceive people. I think they then are being deceived as well. But all I'm asking you to do in humility is to weigh what is being said. That's it. When I preached on Friday to a group of people that don't know me as a pastor, they're just listening to me as a speaker. I asked them before I started talking to take the things that I'm saying and to weigh them in accordance to what God's word says. Ask the Holy Spirit as well for discernment. Any pastor and preacher, teacher of the word should do that, especially when they start making claims of things that they are saying of God, which guess what? According to his word, that is the first benchmark is not of God. So I speak about signs, wonders, all those things. Great. I, 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 I believe in those things today. I feel that I believe they follow the believer. However, I also as a Christian know that there's another side to this. And it all started in the garden, right? That we have a desire in us for more, even when things are good. Like even when we're established in the right with a holy God, we have a flesh in us that desires more. And there's an enemy out there wanting to skew and to, to deceive us into thinking that what we're going to get is more. And we want to attribute it to God when all it's really doing is pulling us further and further away from him. Amen. Thank you guys for listening. God bless.